0: From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. We are in a New York state of mind for this Political Theater podcast, and I am joined by Roll Call's senior political reporter, Bridget Bowman, who went up to upstate New York and came back with stories of not just Utica pizza, but also rap lyrics. Bridget, welcome. (laughs) Good to be here. So let's talk a little bit about your recent trip to upstate New York. You spent some time examining a couple of races that we are quite interested in in New York's 22nd and 19th districts. Let's talk about that. And we're going to we're going to leave the listeners to think, like, what could they possibly be talking about with this with with the rap lyrics? (laughs) We'll get to that in a moment. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about these two races and let's talk about your trip up there.
1: Sure. So these two races um, are both ones that Democrats are optimistic about, um, both held by first term Republican incumbent members of Congress both of them actually president trump won in 2016 but democrats are optimistic based on uh, what they see as some weaknesses in the incumbents and also strengths in their challengers so uh, these
0: aren't this isn't like the hallowed uh, hillary clinton district right. and and, and uh, sort of a sleep at the wheel republican incumbent this is this is a different kind of dynamic here in, yeah. in trump's home state too
1: Right. Um, In both of the districts, there are kind of different dynamics going on. Um, I was up there end of September and spent a lot of time on the New York State Thruway. Uh, These districts are very large and often uh, have large rural parts of their districts as well, both of them. Uh, The 19th district, which is kind of between New York and New York City and Albany in the Hudson River Valley, Mm -hmm. is uh, held by Republican Congressman John Faso. That district is huge. It's bigger than the state of Connecticut. Uh, And then the neighboring district in more central New York is Congresswoman Claudia Tenney in the 22nd district. Uh, So I kind of drove around there, meeting up with both the incumbents and their challengers, talking to voters there. Um, And like I said, Democrats think that these are two seats that they can win, uh, which can definitely help them. They are targeting all nine New York Republicans, but these look like their best shots.
0: And and one thing to reiterate is that when people see the words New York, I mean they usually think of the city of New York. Uh, whether it's uh, p- people of my generation, perhaps they have uh, uh, images of Welcome Back, Cotter, or something like that, or some sort of TV show. If they have, if they're not from New York themselves, but you know New York, uh, when you say the words New York, it, you, it invariably the image comes up of the city. To a lesser degree, perhaps your uh, your your hometown of <laughs> Buffalo in Western New York. Everybody loves Buffalo, but they don't necessarily think of it when they think of New York. They just think Buffalo. Mm -hmm. This is that middle part of the state that, as you said, is gigantic. There's a lot of farming there. There's the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of great pizza in places like Utica, as -hmm. I I noted uh, at the the top of the the podcast. But it is a world apart from either New York City or Buffalo. I mean, it's, it's it's like the Midwest almost, but the mountains are bigger.
1: Yes. And that's actually what I heard from one operative I talked to who said this is more of like especially the 19th district, more of a Midwestern type of district. It's, a, it's one that uh, voters there supported President Barack Obama twice in 2008, 2012. It swung to Trump in 2016. So it's an example of the kind of district that Democrats are trying to win back. Uh, they're trying to win back those voters who might have flipped to Trump in 2016. And
0: as you said, so in FASA's district, it, it's, it's kind of past Maloney's district, Patrick Sean Patrick Maloney, he's mm-hmm. a Democrat uh, along the Hudson River Valley, too. Uh, Let's talk about the race there and the dynamics with with Faso.
1: Yes. So that's a race uh, that I mentioned Trump won by seven points. Um, But Democrats there were pretty excited. They see a very energized Democratic block of voters there. This is also home to Woodstock. So there are some veteran liberal activists who are kind of reengaging now this cycle. Uh, This had a very crowded seven-way Democratic primary And the winner of that primary is an attorney by the name of Antonio Delgado. Uh, He won with just over 20 percent of the vote because it was such a crowded field. So he's really been trying to unite Democrats around his campaign, but also start to appeal to those more moderate, independent voters. There's been a lot of outside money spent in actually both of those races, especially in the 19th district, where Republican ads have actually focused on Antonio Delgado's past career as a rapper mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. After he went to law school at Harvard, he went we out. We promised to LA. we
0: would get in, get into the rap lyrics here, so I mean, and particularly the lyrics themselves. Mm-hmm. So let's, I mean. Finish what you're saying about Delgado and his resume and then we'll talk about this because this actually was an issue. It's not just one of those cutesy things you like to talk about on political theater.
1: Right. The fact that Republicans are spending so much money on these ads tells you that they think it's an effective message in this in this part of the state.
0: Gotcha. Sweating this like you have a sex to a porno flick. Criticize. It's what a patriot does. God bless our rat. our Bless our rap, Bless our rap. Who
1: am I? Um, it is an interesting there's an interesting racial dynamic here. Uh, Delgado is African-American. The district is over 80 percent white. So especially Democrats in the district see the Republicans highlighting his rap lyrics as racist, essentially. That's a number of them, how they characterized it. Republicans say, though, that the way that like he uses um, some curse words to talk about women, to talk about police. And they say that that is offensive to people in the district. A couple of people I talked to did say that they did, did find that offensive. But Democrats and even some other folks have said that they are trying to otherize Delgado, say that he is not one of us, and that there is that racial undertone to that as well.
0: And, of course, the, the, the elephant in the room here, too, is that the president himself, who, kept, as you say, won this district in 2016 after Barack Obama won it in the previous two elections there's a there's a strange racial dynamic there because Mm -hmm. they're obviously comfortable enough to vote for a black man for president twice Mm -hmm. and then they voted for somebody who used race as sort of a Mm cudgel uh in the 2016 election and has continued to use that to the point of sympathizing with neo-nazis in charlottesville and the charlottesville uh violence that happened last year so i mean the, the 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 racial component is kind of weird uh, the, the the rap lyrics, I mean, as, as as you can hear, I mean, like they're they're uh, they're like something that you would hear at a, you know, just n- not from necessarily a politician who is rapping, but mm-hmm. somebody who was a rapper. Yeah. And, and, and so what's poor John Faso doing in all this? <laughs> so Faso
1: is this interesting. He describes himself as a pragmatic conservative. He doesn't mm-hmm. describe himself as a moderate, but he does. When I was out there, went to a candidate forum, went to a campaign event with him. Um, He opened a campaign office. He's talked a couple times about being a member of the Problem Solvers Caucus, Mm -hmm. touting a high bipartisanship rating. So he sees his path as Republicans, but he also says he needs some Democrats. So this district is also funky politically. Uh, Democrats have a slight voter registration edge, but they're a good chunk of voters. A little over a quarter of voters are not registered with any party. Uh, So both Delgado and Faso see that they need to appeal to multiple different groups of people and kind of cobbled together their own coalition. Uh, so Faso, is he's on TV. He's running his campaign. Uh, the question for him is, will the national environment that has energized Democrats, will that overwhelm him in this race?
0: So let's talk about the other uh, race that you covered up there, too. I do, oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, I do want to say,
1: yes. uh, I, I failed to mention one major issue in this race, race which is health care. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's an issue all over the country, uh, but it's especially Pertinent here because there's a video of Faso um, who was confronted by a protester who said, I have a brain tumor, will you please protect my health care? I have a brain tumor yeah. and a spinal condition. Huh. And when I was first diagnosed, I was kicked off my insurance because pre existing conditions right. were out. Yeah. And saying I support this is not good enough. I need you as a human being to say, I promise that we will not take this away from you. I can tell you. That. Until- I, promise, I promise. I promise. He embraced her and Democrats have been using that video in ads uh, because he voted for the Republican health care bill. And now FASO obviously says that's way more complicated and has arguments about the specific woman involved in the video. Uh, but Delgado has said that healthcare is the most important issue in this district, in part because it's so rural and there's a lack of access and that it has a poor population who rely on Medicaid and Medicare. So that is where, as we're seeing this issue play out across the country, this is a race where we really see it kind of at the forefront.
0: More important than the lyrics.
1: I mean, if you asked El Gatto, he would tell you that for sure.
0: And, and our friend Nathan Gonzalez over at Inside Elections, he raced this race how? Tilt's Democrat. Tilt's Democrat. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let's talk about Claudia Tenney's race. Yes.
1: Yeah, so this on the paper, as operatives have pointed out to me, shouldn't be competitive. It's a race that... Uh, Mitt Romney narrowly won a district that he will narrowly won in 2012 Trump carried it by 16 points in 2016 so you might be thinking like why did I go there uh, but Democrats have seen Congresswoman Claudia Tenney as vulnerable from the start of the cycle given her own what they say as weaknesses as an incumbent um, she's known for making some controversial statements like mass murderers tend to be Democrats and um, And she also has not proven to be a very strong fundraiser. And they are also optimistic about this race because... Their their uh, candidate there is a state assemblyman named Anthony Brindisi. Mm -hmm. So he already represents a segment of the congressional district. He has proven that he can win in what should be a more conservative assembly district. Uh, He's also been proven to be a very strong fundraiser. He's outraised Tenney in a couple of quarters and he didn't have a primary. So he's been able to like kind of run his own race. While while Republicans are looking to defend this and they're spending in this race as well, which tells you that they view it as a vulnerable seat for them.
0: And where the money also comes into play here is that, yes, it is. Uh, it's cheaper than, say, running in New York City uh, or Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I'm just going to keep talking about Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know you love okay with that. I know you love your town. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I and I love it, too. It's got great food. But. <laughs> It the the money is isn't so much that the, you have to spend a, a ton of money to advertise on local television in Utica. Mm-hmm. It's that you've got to find a way to get around these these crazy districts mm-hmm. where like there's only like a two lane road uh, to to several towns. And I mean it's not it's logistically it's almost more complicated to run in a place like this than it is some suburban districts and urban districts. Yep,
1: yeah, it's certainly tricky just to like you said just to get around. It should be noted that because Congresswoman. Tend and he has that incumbent advantage of being known throughout the district uh, where brindisi has to get his name out there though he is he does already have kind of a base of people who have voted for him before Uh, But Congresswoman Tenney is also hoping that the president's popularity will help her here. Uh, It's one of the few House districts where we've seen the president actually go and hold a fundraiser. And she when I was out there, she mentioned that she's hoping that he comes back for a rally before the election. She's not sure if he actually will. uh, But she sees the Trump's coalition of voters already supporting her in the past and coming out again to support her this year.
0: I would guess that if the president is heading to Utica in early November, then then the Republican Party's problems are, are a little bit more dire uh, than, than probably Claudia Tenney uh, could have anticipated, probably.
1: That's an interesting point. I think it's also reflected of the fact that... Uh, these competitive House districts, these Republicans who are defending in suburban seats that mm-hmm. he isn't that popular, that they don't necessarily want him to come. But here you have a case where Congressman Tenney does actually want him to come to the district.
0: Because of his wide margin. You said 16 points. Right. One. Okay. Yep. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for your travels. I, I, I know those roads myself. Uh, <laughs> I have, my, my in-laws uh, live in Cooperstown, right outside of Cooperstown. So yes. I have been on those very long drives through that <laughs>
1: district. It uh, was beautiful, though, yeah. I got to say. New York's really—I'm biased in, in that sense, but its it was a beautiful drive. <laughs>
0: well, full disclosure, like, we both love New York. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thanks again. And if you want to catch up on Bridget's travels through, uh, through our website, you can visit rollcall.com or find her stories on Twitter, at Roll Call. And in the meantime, thank you for joining us. You can can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast apps, such as iTunes, NPR One, or Spotify. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening.